Welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan. This is a movie review episode. Uh, these movie review episodes are an opportunity for me, a person in recovery, to watch and review movies that deal with alcoholism and drug addiction and, and the recovery from these, these uh, afflictions with someone who is not themselves uh, in recovery and doesn't you know, have any personal uh, relationship with any of the themes uh, necessarily. Um, and my, my intrepid co-host in all of these movie reviews is the one and only Kaz Gable. Uh, today's episode is a review of the the 1995-ish, it's not entirely clear when the movie was made or released, uh, uh, Richard Lewis film, Drunks. And um, I believe we do talk about this a little bit at the opening of the podcast that is being released, um, but Kaz and I reviewed this movie twice. Um, and the first one we both agreed was not a quality assessment of the film, especially in terms of how it deals with the the topic at hand, the theme of the, the show. Um, and so we actually sat down twice and uh, I'm, ac- I'm quite pleased with, with the, the final outcome. I, we didn't give the movie, we gave the movie a little short shrift out of the gate and you know, my excuse was I was just extremely tired and I wasn't really in a good mood. And, you know, Kaz is just an asshole. So, you know, that was all, all on him. But I, I reached out and said, Hey, Kaz, you really, you really fucked this episode up. Would you mind re-recording it? And, uh, and he said, well, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to make up for this horrible blunder that I've done. Um, thank you so much. And he, and he was groveling on the ground a lot. It was quite embarrassing. Uh, and I said, hey, it's not a big deal. Uh, I think we need to give Richard Lewis a little bit more credit uh, where credit is due. Um, so let's let's do this again. And, and you know, um, and then he Venmoed me uh, several thousand dollars in payment and uh and then we, we sat down and re-reviewed this movie, and I have to say I, I was very happy that we did it. Um, and, and I hope I hope you guys appreciate these these reviews. Uh, they're a lot of fun for me and a lot of fun for Kaz, presumably. Um, and, uh, yeah, so here here is our review of the Richard Lewis vehicle, Drunks. So, thank you for coming back, Kaz. We're back to the uh, Fun and Sobriety Movie Review Podcast, uh, part deux of the review of the movie Drunks. Uh, I really appreciate you <laughs> calling me again. Uh, Kaz and I already reviewed this movie once or talked about it for a while, and I don't know, I felt felt like it... I didn't get like a spark of interest in the movie till we were like right at the end or a spark of interest in talking about it until the very end of the thing. And I felt bad about that in hindsight. So uh, the movie's so good. We reviewed it. We twice. reviewed it twice. I've actually wound up watching it. I've watched, uh, I wouldn't say I've watched it again, but I've watched a lot of it again. Um, 
Uh, I have two actually. I've I've picked and chose some <laughs> scenes that we touched on. Yeah, and so yeah, I'm actually and actually and I've I've had some revelations even. It's interesting because um, so this might be interesting <laughs> doing it for the second. Well, because okay, so let's let's not jump too far into it because we're not gonna post the first one. But it, it, I I will go so far That's as right. to say That's we right. we both agreed that we weren't that in love with this movie. Yet we're reviewing it again. We're gonna spend another I don't know half hour at least talking about it. And we both went and looked for more information in it, so it did something to it to me at least. I don't know. So, but let's <laughs> let's start at the beginning. So, what what is the movie, Kaz? You describe what this movie is. It's the ni- nineteen. Okay, so here's the other thing. I looked closer at this. It was produced or uh, released at uh, film festivals in 1995, but it wasn't actually okay. released in theaters or whatever, given distribution until like 97. So it, it it was a little bit all over the place. And maybe that's part of why my take on Richard Lewis's sobriety was a little different. But go. I'm, but go. It's the movie Drunks. <laughs> it, it, yeah, the movie Drunks. It's it's a Richard Lewis joint or uh, a vehicle. <laughs> Richard Lewis joint. Um, and Richard Lewis, if you don't know him, he's a very well-known stand-up comic. And uh, this is, as far as I know, is only leading... Uh, role in a movie. Yeah, I think or, uh, I think that's true. Hmm. No, I, I, looking uh, but, at his wi- anyway, looking at his IMDb page, huh? it, it, I forgot he was on a TV show in the late '80s with um, Jamie Lee Curtis. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh shit!" I totally remember that TV show. It was like a sitcom on for like four what years. The, what was the show? Uh, I think it was called Anything But Love, and that's exclusively because I just looked at the IMDb page. I would never remember that, and I never watched it. <laughs> yeah, I just I you know I mean it was Jamie Lee Curtis. Never the, seen that. It was Jamie Lee Curtis in the late eighties, dude? She was fly as fuck. So that's what I remember was her being. Oh on the yeah, TV show. yeah, yeah. That, hall, those are the Halloween days. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, yeah. The days of wine and roses. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> she anyway. I do remember it. I think I'm sure I saw. I mean, I wasn't addicted to TV back then when I was a kid. So. Uh, you know, not not anything like today, but no, I'm sure I watched it uh, at least once, and he was like a newspaper reporter or something. And uh, anyway, it, he was a star. Huh. He was a bigger star than I gave him credit for in my brain going into this movie, is what I'm saying. But sorry, yeah, go keep going, keep going. Yeah, Kaz. no, no, totally. He's been around for a long time. Sure, uh, but anyway, so he is the lead role, and we kind of follow him uh, as the main protagonist in the story, but basically the story takes place, uh, in and around a AA meeting at, uh, just sort of random meeting at a random evening in the basement of a church. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's in, in Times Square to be it's, pretty it's, true to life. It's in, yeah. in Times Square in New York city. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, oh, that's not where it is. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's very New York. <laughs> it's very New York. And yeah, I mean, it, it basically is a dramatic adaptation of, a regular uh, AA meeting, right? I mean, and it's maybe yeah. a little yep. bit more than regular because the um, playwright, because right, this was based off of a play originally that I'm guessing yes. was produced off Broadway at one point, you know, in the early '90s, and then independent film guys got well, together and made it into a film film, but. Uh, it still feels like a play. You said this before, I think, yes. or it feels like a play. It, you can kind of tell, like, there's only three sets that yeah. they really need in this thing. No, and you don't even need, I mean, you don't need any of the stuff that Richard Lewis is doing. It's just that because it's a movie, you can actually go follow him. But, you know, you you could easily exactly, see that yeah. activity happening, like, with special lighting, and he's just up, you know, up in the corner of the stage, just kind of 
<laughs> getting all melancholy yeah. and oh, drinking yeah. whiskey. You need the AA meeting, church. Yeah. You need his house probably yeah. and maybe a liquor store, but you could yeah. totally do that with light effects. And then, yeah, yeah, I just imagine him like walking with a black background, the lights yes. and New York sounds. He's walking on the streets. Yeah. You know? He's not doing okay. Jim, but, uh, Jim's not doing okay. He's not doing okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically but it. But what happened? Go, go, sorry. Yeah, but what happens is is what and what makes it a little more exciting than just watching the A meeting is Richard Lewis uh, is forced to be the main speaker, uh, sort of pressured in by the guy who's running the group that night, uh, to be the main speaker, and he has a, a bit of a breakdown where he has to confront something. Um, and basically the whole evening is he leaves the group in a, in a huff, and the whole evening is him kind of coming to terms with something and dealing with his like breakdown, and then he also su- subsequently follow the group. He goes back and forth between his story of the night and then the group's story of the night, yeah. which is just an AA group, basically. But uh, I'm sure uh, an encapsulated a- yeah, it, AA group with all the exciting stuff happening in one night. <laughs> exciting. But it, it really does... The playwright, um, I'm guessing, is uh, you know a member of... of 12-step programs or at least has attended enough to uh has to be right yeah yeah, to have captured a lot of the like archetypal uh i want to say characters that you see in in a lot of meetings and uh i i appreciate that i i i i feel like last time when you and i talked about this we kind of just got fixated on like describing the different archetypes but it 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 really i i like the idea of this Maybe more than I like the execution of it. Like I still, I'm not like, I'm still at the end right. of you know, sort of reviewing the movie again. Not gonna go stand for it and be like, hey, everybody needs to watch this movie. It's super important. I mean, it, 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 it's a little navel gazy in that it is just kind of showing AA, and I, I say navel gazing because probably only other people who go regularly or have somewhat intimate familiarity with the program are going to be enamored with the movie, right? So in that context, it's kind of navel-gazy because, yeah, I mean, like I said last time we talked about it, it is basically just watching an AA movie with good actors and somewhat more appealing women in it right? uh, in some cases. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, they do hit a, they do hit some really interesting arcs and especially yes. like... If you're wondering what an, like, what an AA meeting is, these archetypes will show up at some point. Not, not all at the same night, but well, but at some point more in than your, you uh, more than you more than you would think actually. Like, yeah, because like you because you, like you pointed out last time, like there was the 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 woman who is just like. Oh, I don't even know if I'm really an alcoholic. I just really like hearing your stories, and you yeah. guys are my entertainment. And like the looky loo, the looky loo, and and it that's yeah. a little bit yeah. a little bit too on the nose, but you do. My experience is I have seen a lot of people like that who, you know, they wouldn't be quite that forthcoming with the voyeur aspect of what they're doing. But, you know, you listen to them a handful of times, you're like, you know, you're probably just here because you want to look better for your husband or your wife, I guess. I don't don't know what you're doing here kind of thing. Um, But, okay, part of what I wanted to verify and why I asked you to re uh, uh, to re record because I I I thought of something and I was like, well, I'll just I'll just make a little preamble before the episode, and I was like, well, then that's just going to make this kind of rambling conversation even longer, and I don't want to do that. So I'm glad you wanted to to talk about it again with me, so I could just say this as part of the podcast and and hopefully not extend it. But uh, I was <laughs> I was fixed yeah. I was fixated or not fixated. It occurred to me at some point when I was 
uh, I recorded another episode of my my regular Fun and Sobriety podcast, and the gentleman I was talking to um, made a point of saying, like, hey, I, I, I want to not talk about the program specifically just for the 11th tr- tradition, which, which basically the 11th tradition of AA is uh, it's you, – you, you basically maintain anonymity in public, right? It's, it's Mm -hmm. about promote is about um, attraction rather than promotion. And it's kind of why you don't see things sponsored by AA in the media. I mean, it's not kind of, it is a hundred percent. And you know, it just made me think, okay, well, how did they handle that in this movie? Cause I swear they talk about AA and you know, like I, they, they have all of the, they have the 12 steps hanging on the little board behind the guy at the beginning of the meeting and the little, you know, think, 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 and, uh, you know, the little signs you see, those, those signs are up all over the U.S. at least. Anywhere you go to a city, you're bound to see those exact signs hanging. So right. I realized they did a trick, and I rewatched. it was the main reason I wanted to start it over. They do a little movie magic trick that I didn't even catch both first viewings but after I had that conversation with that guy, I was like, wait a minute, what did they do about that? Because every meeting starts with some kind of official uh, literature reading, right? And they don't do that here. Okay. But I didn't even process that they didn't do it. Like, they, they handle it, they have a conversation, they have Jim. Okay, so every 12-step meeting, for the most part, at least ones that are like, let's say, officially sanctioned, which is to say, if you go look on a website for any kind of recovery in wherever you are, whatever city, if you see a, a, a meeting on the list there, it's, you know, officially sanctioned. And it doesn't, it doesn't require much more than just saying, hey, we're going to start a meeting and we want to be a part of your list. But that makes it quote unquote official, uh, which means that there's like expectations that you follow the traditions and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, right, and, right. and with that comes like, They'll send you like, oh, uh, you know, here's here's the here's the official documentation. You, you can use it to whatever extent you want, or you know, create your own version of it. Just you know, every meeting's got its own little flavor to it, and they'll they'll have their own little specific roles, whatever. But every meeting starts with some kind of reading out of the main literature book for whatever the program is, and in this case, it would be the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I didn't mm-hmm. even process that they never show that. Right. Like all of a sudden, Jim is just he's like, well, Jim's going to come speak. And then they start speaking and they do it in such a such a subtle way that I didn't even catch that they weren't. So that's that's how they're like kind of sidestepping the official connection to AA. And I think. Sure. With the exception of Richard Lewis at the very open of the movie when he like comes in and he's, you know, putting down the coffee and the the whatever he brought in like snacks and stuff and the old guy who runs the meeting is like basically like you said kind of guilting him into being the speaker for the night i think that's the only time that's the only time i can remember where anybody even says the letters says aa he he says you know richard lewis is like oh well, there's no rules in aa and it's just kind of trying to get the guy to shut up and quit trying to like boss him around oh interesting huh so I, I mean that. So it's just enough di- difference, basically, to make it yeah. seem like it's AA for the yeah. Unless you're really looking for it. Well, exactly, and and you think, and I think that's a it's a sensitivity thing that only a portion of people, a percentage of people, 
who are heavy, heavy into the program are even going to think about, frankly, because. Right. I, I, well, that's what I was going to ask is like, do you think like AA people would be upset that it was being represented or were well, they. Well, that's just it. Like dire- directly. The, the purpose of that tradition, at least the way I am looking at it, because in the same way that this movie is presenting stuff, I my podcast is entirely kind of not kind of is entirely breaking anonymity, which, you know, the word anonymity is in the title of the program. Um, But if, if this were to be sponsored by the official AA, you know, there's a home, there's a home office in New York. It's, you know, it's where the main headquarters are. Uh They would not sponsor it. Right. I'm certain that there, you know, whoever worked there at the time that this was happening was aware uh, or at least when it was released, I'm sure they weren't aware that it was happening filming or whatever. But I don't know that, that they would care unless someone were to try and throw the AA uh, logo and iconography onto the movie itself. That would be the distinction. And that's kind of the distinction I make for my own podcast is I'm not an official representation of the 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 program as a whole. And I, I don't pretend to be. And I'm sure. definitely not sanctioned by the home office and neither is this movie. So in that regard, then you could do whatever you want like that. That, And it's funny because it's a little meta because Jim is accurate. There are no rules, right? Like you can't tell him to go up there and do this just because, because I think the context was, Hey, if someone asks you to do something in AA, you have to do it. Or in a, you know, if someone asks you to speak, you have to speak. And, and his response is there are no rules. <laughs> so, right, right. And, it, and it is kind of the, mm, one of the primary paradoxes of the whole 12 step program is like, there really are no rules. There are just expectations of rules <laughs> and everyone follows them. And that's the right. reason why it doesn't just completely fall apart into chaos. Um, and the other, the other thing I didn't notice until watching again is the only tradition that he even mentions that is even brought up in the movie. Uh, unless it happens at the end and I missed it, but, he he mentions the tradition of anonymity as the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. So what you hear here, you let it stay here, right? And I, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but mm-hmm. it's some version of that, which is to say, it's like a me- again, it's like a meta covering of everything you're about to watch. Is like, hey, the only reason we're showing you this is because you are now, as an audience member, a member of the meeting. And this is exactly how it works. Like you come into a meeting and uh, maybe it's either at the beginning or the end, depending on where you are, but that's what they'll say. And it's just a reminder of like, this is a safe space so you can share anything. Um, anyway, I, I, yeah. I, I, Oh, you know, what's <laughs> interesting. I'm re I'm rewatching part of this as you're talking uh-huh. and there's a scene uh, early. There's early on scenes where right after Richard Lewis's character rushes out, uh-huh. the guy that we've kind of followed the AA meeting, and the guy who's running it is talking, and people are just doing their shoutouts or their quick um, identifiers and how right. many days they have. <laughs> right. Anyway, there behind him is the twelve traditions yes. listed. Yes, yes, that's that's what I'm and referring does, to. Those those scrolls, yeah. those scrolls you'll find everywhere. Those are like those are like yeah. So that's interesting. So they so they do directly reference AA and that. Yes. So you're right. There's all these like direct but subtle. Well, like, and and I think that that's alludes, I think that yeah, that's being specific organization. Yeah, and I think that they do that in a way to, I think, nod in acknowledgement of like dancing close to the line by portraying 
the program so directly in this movie, right? Like they're sure. they're showing it. They're showing that they understand it enough to know so that as anyone who would quibble about it and who would care can recognize, hey, obviously the producers of this movie, the writer of this movie, the director knows what's going on and they are intentionally mm-hmm. not stepping over the line. And, and I mean, and I'm not I'm not saying that defensively. I, I honestly believe that is what's happened here. They have they have they have uh, put in the 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 mental work to determine how much they can show without being disrespectful to the program as a whole. And by virtue of that, the people who attend regularly and rely upon it. Right. Because the whole point of this sure. movie is to show those people in a very. uh I want to say, uh, um, it's not. It's a. It's a judgment-free light, and and that's the whole. They're trying to capture mm-hmm. the tone of an AA meeting, and I believe that they do that very successfully. That you're presenting yourself in true vulnerable, as vulnerable as you can be in the moment, with no fear of judgment, and that's what they're trying to portray with all of the people who share at that meeting. And and I think in that regard it actually succeeds very well. I didn't I didn't acknowledge this when we talked about it before, and I don't think I could put my finger on it before. But mm-hmm. that I think is, you know, the subtext behind showing that much of what's going on in AA. And maybe maybe they didn't even put that much thought into it. Maybe they just were like, yeah, this is AA, and they ran it by, you know, the guy ran it by his big sponsor or a couple of people in the program, and they're like, eh, maybe you shouldn't do this, and then they just edited out. I, who fucking knows? But I. I think. What do you think? Where the line that would would, would the line be? Like, is it, are it's people more sensitive that he would be with the character his characters he's writing? He's directly pulling stories he's heard. Or oh, the fact that, that for it's sure. More of no, no. How the yeah? Because th- I could see that line, but it's just surprising to me that people would be so mm. protective of the structure. No, 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 like no, 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 the... no. I think I, I I'm I'm doing my. Uh, uh, a trademark over over analyzing something that's probably not that significant <laughs> for sure no i mean you're right the the bigger issue would yeah. be if he was drawing direct stories from you know d- you know using stories that he'd heard directly that would be totally totally inappropriate and so i'm gonna yeah i'm willing to yeah, bet I that, see that for sure. all of these stories are completely fabricated or they are used with the 100 percent consent of whoever's story it is that that he lifted it from or, or the guy's just a monster i mean i guess that's also a possibility but i'm i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet. well but i get what you're saying before though about about him like not directly referencing things like his the the writing and the, the portrayal of this is always does take like you can tell the writer cares about yes. the structure like yes. you know what i mean yeah. it's not portrayed in a dismissive way at all like well some at sometimes it seems like we're in it a little too long oh, for a movie audience for sure but yeah. um yeah it but it definitely yeah i definitely that comes through of his handling of the way the meeting uh progresses yeah. for sure it comes I'm, through. I'm guessing the guy wrote this as a play that was almost intentionally to be only ever produced in a very small intimate theater right because that's that's the feeling that he's trying to get is the intimacy of a meeting, right? Like they're all the shots are right. close up on the people. There's never, there's only a couple of shots that are wide out showing the entire room and how much space is in the room. I, I want to say only like they show it before the room is set up. They show it when people are first coming in and then they show it when people are leaving and maybe once or twice 
they just have a quick flash of just how you know wide the space is and how small the group of people are within the space. But other than that, they're doing everything they can to just be intimate, you know, single frame, close up on on the person as they're talking, and letting them talk like a play, right? Like it's there's very few edits during each monologue. They're just going. Right. And my guess is there isn't a bunch right. of dead footage on the floor of them repeating these monologues. I I would bet that they did like full group rehearsal, you know, like for a regular play release and then just filmed this, you know, w- one day or, you know, over a very short amount of time. Um, it is interesting. So do we do we want to get into the mystery of our yes. that we were discovering it the last time? That, well, there's two mysteries. Yes. There's one in the film. There's a reveal. But the one that we got yes. lost on and which is fascinating now rewatching parts of this <laughs> is to figure out where Richard okay. Lewis's sobriety Let's... ties into this movie. Because I so don't... the mo- his okay. So this movie yeah, you said on. you just said it was uh, released in 94 or 95 initially like 95. a small release. 95. It, well, okay. it I it said uh I think Boston Film Festival or something in like March of 95 or August of 95 actually. And it, so that so, means that they filmed it probably 93, 94, probably somewhere at 93 at the earliest. Yes. Yeah, and I would guess it was I would guess it was filmed in the like fall of 94 would be my guess. OK, so Richard Lewis is, traces his sobriety date, his official date at August uh, 4th. 1994. Now, so, now, we should qualify. This is based off of a Wikipedia entry that claims this is what they heard from his talking on uh, Stern show. So neither uh, of us... Well, have, also, he tweeted this uh, oh, that's last, right. in that's 2018. Right. Okay. So I think it's okay, pretty, good, good, pretty good, good, solid good. because... No, no. I, I just don't want to misquote like the specific date. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, we, we, uh, August... we, we got deep last time, man. No, we, uh, <laughs> we, we double-checked this. And yes, he, he did a... <laughs> Uh, tweet on his his uh, anniversary date uh, in 2018, <laughs> and we a- were able to take the number because he says 24 years ago, and you know that's 1994. Yeah, so 94. Um, so that so means that would be at most. Yeah, go ahead. So well, the mystery is is what state of sobriety was he in when he was doing this movie, and it's almost it's fascinating to watch. Like, where was his head at? And because it could go one way, right? Like he he was either newly sober and doing this movie, or he, this movie helped get him sober <laughs> in yeah. some way or was I'm, part of the journey of his sobriety. I'm watching I'm watching him perform right now the the scene where he's got the poor sad sex trapped at the bar and he's just <laughs> drunk philosophizing at him uh is happening on the screen right now and and I'm I'm I would be willing to bet I don't know. I feel stupid saying that because it's probably in that book that he was hawking on uh, on the Stern show or whatever that was. But I wouldn't be surprised if this was part of his sobriety story. Like he filmed this. I'm going to bet he filmed this, that this was filmed before he had finished drinking. Right. Like maybe he'd been in and out enough that he was familiar sure, with yeah. because his performance gave me the impression that he was very familiar with how the shit works which is part of why I just assumed that he, you know, I, I assumed that he was like a good seven, ten years sober by the time this movie filmed. And and that's why it was so mind-boggling to me that he was either only barely sober or not sober at all when this, act, in actuality. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if it changes my opinion on his performance in it, but it's certainly makes it look different like the idea that he's doing all this at 10 years sober the acting portrayal 
kind of made me, I was kind of like, eh, he just doesn't have what it takes to to carry this. But frankly, he's kind of perfect for it. And knowing that this mania that he's displaying is probably closer to just true mania, it makes it a little bit easier to swallow. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Because, um, I mean, seriously, man, can you imagine you're freshly sober and they're like, hey, in a couple yeah, months you want to do a big performance uh, based well, on that's why I'm experiences of that's, life? Yeah, that's why I'm guessing he was just acting. I'm, I, I'm guessing yeah. that he hadn't gotten sober yet or was only barely, like, hadn't really taken to recovery yet when he did this like i i I wouldn't be surprised if that's actual liquor he's drinking right like originally i was like oh well he's clearly gonna have to drink you know apple juice or whatever and they'll have already broken the seal on that jack daniels or whatever but maybe not maybe he was in his grips enough that he was like fuck yeah no i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna show how this done man i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna relapse for real right here i'll get i'll be dry for a few weeks before we start filming and then boy this will be great Right. Like, and you know, that secret little demon on your shoulders, like, yeah, that's a good excuse to get a bunch of free whiskey, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 but, makes me but read, I don't want to read his book for sure. That's and, like, exactly figure, what I was about to say. It ties in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not probably not going to take the time to read the book, but it, it, it's, it's kind of pointless to talk about this because it's probably all those questions are probably answered in that book. So. Yeah, but still um, a fascinating timeline for that. Um, it is for this it, movie. It makes I this movie like that much is. more interesting to understand once now that you know that and watch through it. So, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it, it's kind of bananas how many big stars are in this movie, or you know, relatively. I mean, Faye Dunaway was a legitimate big star, and she's in this yeah. movie. Diane Weist in 1995. I mean, come on, she was a oh, pretty yeah. big star. Yeah. She's all over the place. The Calist- Calista Flockhart, I, you know what? The timing of the release of this movie from when it was an independent film in festivals to actually being released, I wouldn't be surprised if Calista Flockhart's presence in it wasn't a big part of that. Because Ally McBeal was a phenomenon for like three years, if you remember, and I think it was right around yeah. after oh, yeah. this movie came out. So Yeah, I the, I mean, the movie, they did not, the movie, because Ally McBeal was like 95 or 6 or something like that? I think so. I think the movie was released a little, like, after Ally McBeal got popular, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I would bet that it didn't hurt. I would bet that people were like, oh, hell, it's got that, it's got that <laughs> Calista well, Flockhart, sure. she's so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, um, well, no, I, I was going to say, uh, uh, wh- wh- oh, shit. Why am I having a brain fart? What's her name? The the uh, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Thank you. I was gonna say, and it doesn't hurt that she was in it, but Parker Posey kind of made her whole '90s career out of doing smaller independent New York independent films based and filmed in New York. So it's actually right. not that surprising to see her in it. And I fucking love Parker Posey. Jesus, I loved her back in this time frame specifically. So seeing her pop up and doing the whole archetype of the like wild girl who's wild child who's just about to get it right she's the one who raises her hand and gets 90 days and she's all yes right on 90 days like that <laughs> yeah. that attitude is so much like so many wild child women especially like she is the perfect archetype right there um but seeing her do that i was like it re-triggered my like 20 
something year old self, I'm like, oh god, I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's awesome. Yeah, but no, okay, this is, so it's interesting. The uh, actors are in this, and they, it does feel like they really were like, ah, when do we, what do we do with this movie? And then a couple years yeah. later, they're starting to hit or become more popular. Like, okay, let's release it now. Yeah, yeah, and Sam Rockwell wasn't. I don't. I don't remember really being aware of Sam Rockwell until well into the 2000s. I know he was around. You know, looking back, he's one of those performers who's just like always been dynamite. He's dynamite in this, right? Oh like yeah, he, yeah. He's he's, he's good in everything. He, yeah, he's great. And but well, yeah. No, he's yeah. one of those guys where you like, yeah. He hit in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and then yeah. um But then, like you watching old movies, you're like, oh, holy shit, that's Sam Rockwell. Yeah, he's like, really. Yeah, he's, he's like been here for all these movies. Everywhere. Yeah, tons yeah. of movies. Should be like six degrees of Sam Rockwell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but then um, the other twist, the other twist uh-huh. that we were that they, they, go go into the other twist, please. Okay, so the big the big story arc of Jerry Lewis's character or <laughs> Richard Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> hey, ladies, um, lady. He turns into a nerd. I I, I um, got a big a bad drinking problem. Oi. Oi, coin laven. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it takes a wild turn halfway through the movie. <laughs> he when, turns into the nutty professor. <laughs> yeah, when he invents flubber. Um, <laughs> That's not even the right reference. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Richard Lewis, uh, yeah, so he, so the way, when we start the movie, we kind of start it with him mainly. We see him walking with two bags of groceries or supplies to the AA meeting to get it started. He and the main guy who was running it. Uh, connect yeah. and they sort of chat briefly, and you get this, get a bunch of like that, information at the beginning, and basically that's uh-huh. supposed to be his sponsor. That that guy is his sponsor. Right. I think that that's not yeah. that's not said out loud, but that you're supposed to understand that he's his sponsor, and then Richard Lewis is is Sam Rockwell's sponsor, which is just a quick little nod to the kind of stuff that goes on, like higher, not hierarchical, but uh, anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's something that I didn't quite catch. I, like, you catch that he's Sam Rockwell's, but you, I didn't quite catch that on the first viewing uh, that yeah, he yeah. was his sponsor because he doesn't refer, does refer that. So if you're experienced, you'd probably catch that easier. But um, yeah, they give yeah. you a lot of information at once there. But anyway, what you get mainly is that he has uh, he's getting pressured by the guy by his sponsor to tell his story for the night, be the speaker of the night. And also yeah. the last the last time he spoke is seven months ago and eight months ago, his wife died. And so, right. a, so a month month after that, he had a big he did his big talk, and he hasn't spoken since. And now he's right. sponsors trying to get him to speak again for his benefit, um, uh, as well as I know, I'm sure the others. But anyway, so he does speak, and he talks about how he got sober for his wife for two years. He was sober, and they had this amazing romantic relationship. And she's the reason he got sober, and she was. Um, the reason he, they just had this idyllic existence as a married couple living in New York in the most romantic way possible for two years. And then suddenly she had a brain aneurysm and died. And, uh, he just, you know, he's kind of lost at this point. Um, and he didn't want to talk about it. So that sets him off and he goes through his whole story arc. And at the end of the movie, we see him go through all these adventures as he falls off the wagon, pretty hardcore and, uh, really hardcore, really hardcore. Although he does mention the uh, the surprise that I just remembered at the a- at the beginning when that woman comes up yep. to him after he speaks and yes. just tries to comfort him. I was gonna, he says it was, I was all a fairy point tale. That out. Yeah, and it's interesting, and that's part goes back to I'm I'm still you know it's not handled quite as effectively as it could have been in the filming. But right, you're right. It is kind of a, like a, a an Easter egg right there. He says that, but 
you don't appreciate what he means when he says that. When you know, yeah, it's a weird he, comment at the time. At the time, you're like, "What? Well, that's kind of a dick thing to say to someone yeah. who's trying to come for you." Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so what happens is at the end, he's he's oh, just yeah. bla- blasted out of his mind, and he's trying to do hair. Yeah, he's drunk out of his mind, and he's trying to inject heroin, um, or yeah. cook some heroin and, to and inject I, it. I, I, and I, I want. I just a minute ago, I was just saying, "Oh God, he really falls off." I don't honestly the. Uh, severity with which he falls off and so quickly as quickly as it happens i honestly that that is that rings true to me the only thing that's false about it is the timeline is constricted right or 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 contracted because by the way the filming starts it, it all starts off running in sequence so the events that are happening in the meeting and the events of jim walking around the city after he's left the meeting they all run together but then the amount of stuff that Jim does over the course of the the remainder of the film, mm-hmm. it it would take all night. But they keep right. intersplicing oh, yeah. it back with the meeting, so you get the impression from the rules of a film that this is all happening at the same time. But that's the part that's not possible. Like he, him falling off and getting as hammered as he does, and then surging out um, heroin and trying to go have sex with the the woman he used to fuck when he was on drunk and high yeah, the all the time all yeah. of that all of that makes perfect sense right like that that is uh absolutely yeah, one of the things right that's back the, in it <laughs> and that that is that is not just a stereotype it is it is for real a- everyone who relapses if they come back after the relapse will attest yeah that you just hit the ground running and you're right back where you were when you left if not worse and it that's part of why people who relapse often don't get back because they die because they just go yeah. fucking balls to the wall and so yeah i mean it, it comes across almost like comical how quickly he's just like guzzling whiskey and trying to <laughs> inject heroin but he gets there you, yeah if you accept that he was already there and he kind of forced himself into into sobriety it makes perfect sense that that's how he runs off so yeah but yeah sorry, no that totally to it totally get it because even like you ha- he has these moments where he's you st- uh, talking about the timeline um and how yeah. compressed it is like he has several moments of of buying that bottle and then walking away from it and then eventually right. he does does drink so he, right. he keeps he, he's on the edge for a while even though he you kind of know he's gonna go there yeah. and then when he yeah. does tip over he yeah, goes he full goes bore <laughs> and 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 i you know and i, I give it yeah, it's it's a little bit of movie magic, and you know you're you're trying to make it work for the for the timing of the film. So and it 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 works for me. It, it would be better than them filming the yeah. whole AA movie and the AA meeting and then following oh, Jim sure. later. Like that would be boring as fuck. So no, well, it definitely fine. makes it compelling. Absolutely, yeah. The the his story, if watching him contrasted with these people who are talking about it's it's actually really well done in that sense where you yeah. do get the sense of, but for the grace of God all of these people in the room would be doing the exact same thing. <laughs> and yeah, it's just that absolutely. razor's edge of of a bad day or a bad week, or for him, his big secret that he's been living this lie for a long time yes. finally catches up, and then you, you either get through it or you fall off the wagon. But right. he falls off the wagon, and what we realize at the end when he does his reveal is why, and what it is is he's never been true in any of these meetings so his statement he comes out to this bartender at the end of the night who is about to close and he eventually gets kicked out for trying to shoot up but he's been staying here that's where he ends his <laughs> night and he and he admits to this guy 
uh, or this guy uh, hears that his wife died from other people at this bar that used to drink with him, and he's like, hey, man, I want to say I'm sorry. And then Richard Lewis has this big off-the-chest moment where he explains, you know what? I, don't be sorry. I, I, we weren't in love. Like I, I, when I was sober for two years, I didn't know what to do. We just stared at each other for two years. We were romantic. Right. We were like, I don't know what kind of where, who I was as a person when I wasn't drinking. The, this wasn't some grand romance. It was just a basic marriage, a pretty mediocre one at that. And then she died, and then I didn't know what to go from there either. And so it's like, yeah. once he stopped drinking, he was just lost. And he had someone in his life, but then they were both kind of lost together. And then she died, and then it's like it's like everything was kind of meaningless. And so he he's been telling yeah, the story he, to have something to tell in the meanings for the last eight months about how well. But he he didn't say anything. Was. But he didn't say yeah. anything, right? Remember, because his sponsor was like, "Hey, I want you to speak. You haven't spoken in seven months." Right. So that would and and if you look at the way the guy kind of looks at him and kind of gives him like the eye, and he's got like that that look about him of like the wise old timer, uh, right. the whole movie, you kind of get the impression that he knows Jim's not doing that great. And that's part of why he wants him to speak. Cause he wants, that's kind of how yeah. that shit works, right? That's a sponsor's role is to get you <clears throat> to come to your own recognition about your own stuff. Like the, the sponsor's not there to be like, Hey, this is what's going on with you. Go fix it. The sponsor's like, Hey, are you you sure you're okay? And then you have yeah. to answer honestly. And if you answer honestly and you're not okay, then you work on it. <clears throat> that so makes that's total interesting sense. Because then, because then when he leaves, right? Because uh-huh. he does he gives he he gives his like big dramatic speech in, at the beginning of the meeting, at the beginning of the movie, and then he kind of whispers in the guy's ear and takes off. And then before they break off and start having everybody talk the individual stories, the sponsor's like, where the fuck did Jim go? He's like agitated, but he's at the front of the room and can't go chase after him. So it's, it's like he knew that he had just set the guy off, but he was in a position where he couldn't go like, you know, he he, he can't go tackle the guy. Well, that's a really great, that's a crazy, that's a great obvious point and something I didn't really think about until just now, but (laughs) that, I mean, once again, this movie is almost too subtle for its own good. It's like they should have thought a little bit more about the movie versus play medium because thinking back to the beginning again, you really do get the sense that his sponsor is a good sponsor and has seems to have been in this for a long time. And he, he is nudging him to talk. He's not forcing him, but he's kind of, he won't let up on kind of gently nudging him towards speaking. And which, you get that it's which, by the way, rings and, that rings very yeah. true, very true. Well, that's <laughs> I would imagine that's what you want to do. You don't want to hardcore pressure yeah. someone, like you said, let them find their own way, but help, but guide them. And you kind of get the right. sense that Richard Lewis, as he's setting up this meeting, I mean, it's his personality anyway, but he's kind of restless and nervous and jerky. Yeah, and you kind of get yeah. the sense that he's dealing with something. And so, but yeah. then what's really interesting about that is you get the caveat, the flip side of that, because Richard Lewis is Sam Rockwell's sponsor, and you can tell that yeah. he's not a good sponsor because he makes a comment about, oh, yeah, hey, man, just so you know, I did call you back that one time. Uh, I left a message on your machine, and Sam Rockwell's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't get a message. He's like, oh, well, well I left one, you know, so so it's like, yeah, you're, he's, you're not, right. he's yeah, doing he, a shit job. He, yeah, and he's so, not doing. Anyway. He's he's not being as attentive to his sponsee as his own sponsor is attempting. to Which be Which could to him. be because right. he's dealing, he's battling these things, this lie sure. so bad too. So maybe his sponsor is, is maybe he's well, omniscient. <laughs> well, no, still. no, no, that's 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 no, going but still too a sign far, of a good it, sponsor addressing like an issue like that. I would assume in the in a group sure. such as AA, where you're trying to just you know, like you said, help people find their own direction, but sure. you know, with well, your experience and, I mean, guiding them all. Good and bad is I I don't I don't I want I don't want to p- 
put that in there, but I understand what you're saying, right? Like he's uh, Richard Lewis. Well, is, let's say I mean, inattentive is. I think you said it right. Inattentive yeah. sponsor. He is, his own issues well, are blocking me, him from me, being as part of his community. Yeah, let me frame it. Let me frame it this way. His part of the deal of sponsorship is it's a two way street, right? Like obviously. Sure. You, as someone with some kind of experience and and uh, something to offer, someone comes to you and says, "Hey, we sponsor me." You are there to help guide them, help give them what you've got. Sure. And it you get and you receive. So, so it's not so much that he's being a he's not a bad sponsor, right? I mean, I don't want to say good or bad. Okay, he's just no, no, not fair. engaged. Yeah. He's not engaged. He's not engaged with his own sponsor because his own sponsor is like, "Hey, I want you to do this," and he's like, "Look, I don't want to fucking do it. You're, you can't make me." You know, he's like, he's being petulant, <laughs> right. but he he acquiesces because he knows ultimately that the other guy is right, and he kind of throws in a similar banter with Sam Rockwell in that because he's like, "No, I called you," and he's like, "Well, whatever, I didn't." He's like, and then Sam Rockwell is like bitching about some stupid thing, and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, did you drink?" No, I didn't drink. Okay, there you go. Right, like yeah. it, go set up the tables, <laughs> go set up the chairs. Yeah, yeah. and and it's, yeah, that's it's, true. That's true. He's just he's not engaged either direction, and that is. And you're right. Back to your idea, to your comment about it being too subtle. Uh, I I'm kind of conflicted on that because it needs to be subtle like that, but you almost need to. You I, I don't know how you could fix it. It, it needs to be something that you can pick up a little bit more clearly. I, I, maybe it's just the performative i i don't know i don't know well but, no that's a really good point though and, and that's more my you know coming from an outsider's perspective seeing that that that's sure. actually clarifies that for yeah. me that thinking in it not in terms of good versus bad Every, this is a group where everyone is struggling <laughs> and so exactly gonna and have a, up and down periods and it's a work exactly. of a group of struggling people figuring out ways to support each other and at times exactly someone like richard lewis is going to be more help than others even when he's in re- a position of helping yeah. someone else so that, that that's a better way to but, clarify it. but so but the, on the flip side the flip side that is part of the purpose of sponsoring is to right, get right. out of your own shit to help that other person and and in that you are very accurate because he's he's obviously disengaged right like right he i mean maybe he did or maybe he didn't call or whatever he's obviously like oh hey what's up right like oh okay, hey 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 and whatever it, like you just said people are people and you find them at certain points in their lives and they're going to be super engaged and helpful and other points are going to be fucking about to go into a relapse and try and shoot up heroin in a bar somewhere in a few hours. So, <clears throat> right. Right. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about, I really don't know what more else to say about this other than, okay, so he gets, he falls all the way back down, right? Like he relapses, he drinks a bunch of whiskey, he almost has sex with uh the woman and and I I mean there was no need to show the woman naked like that. And you definitely don't need to see <laughs> yeah. Richard Lewis getting his mouth all over her boobs, right? Like <laughs> yeah. nobody I loved it, man. Nobody's nobody's <laughs> titillated <it>. by that. <laughs> edited out I mean, I edited out that clip. That's all I. That's all I watch. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, woman no, is she's very appealing. I, 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 I do like that woman as an actress. I don't know her name. I don't know if she made a whole bunch of movies or not. I mean, I pointed this out uh, last time. I, sh- I couldn't place her, but she was the, <laughs> the woman in Unforgiven who gets cut in the face and triggers all the action of the movie Unforgiven. So, yeah, in my heart, she is the most beautiful and perfect woman or perfect actress, in, and and I love her. So 
Seeing Richard Lewis putting his mouth all over her is just like, so, God, man, I don't need to see this. Yeah, chair face up you know, between those <laughs> boobs. Um, yeah, no, I, it's definitely gratuitous. I mean, at the end of the day, this is an indie film, and it does feel like the director or writers were, were experimenting with stuff. You know what I mean? And so one of those things uh, is just gratuitous nudity Richard, for no reason. Maybe they were dating, right? Like part of me is like Could anytime be, yeah. that kind of thing, ha- anytime that happens in any movie, but especially an indie film like this, part of right. me is like, how did the person not just be like, yeah, we don't, I don't need to make out with Richard Lewis. I'm good. <laughs> this isn't important to the script. <laughs> anyway, he goes through all of that. Did I lose you? And then what? Did I lose you? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought no, I, so. I, I thought my, I thought, I thought my he said, and then, dead there. and then Richard. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I, I see Richard on my TV screen. I'm yelling at Richard. No, uh, so but yeah, then, I mean, yes. He goes through this, and then his arc is is this big reveal at the end. But in the arc, you keep all these stories and back and forth. And we we touched yeah. on it a little bit, but you get all these like archetypes for AA. So, you know, what's really interesting is when we kind of we kind of landed last time on the movie being like it's like yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch, but I don't know if I'd watch it again. I wouldn't have yeah. watched it again unless we were doing this again. Uh, yeah. But now that I have rewatching it, has been really interesting because you kind of re-examine the characters in a different way. And it's one of those things, I think you might have said this at the beginning, where I would actually like to have seen this play, but probably held, it was probably better experienced than the movie. Not that the movie's terrible, but it's definitely no. not one you're going to run out and be like, hey, everyone, you've got to go watch Drunks. No, it's very exactly. so specific to <laughs> exactly. AA. But yeah, if you're interested it, it, in that topic or you've had experience with AA, you would probably yeah. get out. Which actually brings me to the question I wanted to ask you at the beginning. So... Okay. You watched this in rehab, right? Like that was the correct. I watched so, this in my second rehab. I went to two rehabs okay. within five months, or, or yeah, excuse me, within so, five months of of each other in two thousand and nine. So, what do you remember? I remember last time you were mentioning like some, how what you right. remembered from it, like what hit you at the time that you remember why we well, why we, okay. you thought about drunks later. What hit me. The hardest, and which still, even on the viewing that I did before and on inadvertently rewatching because we're going to re record, is when Richard Lewis gets that whiskey, right? Like when he's, when he has that, he has that scene where he's talking to the whiskey bottle or the bottle of bourbon. Like the first one he goes, gets the first and one he gets, grabs. and he's like, yeah. he opens it and he smells it and he's like, oh, fuck you in the ass. And he's just like, yeah, he's cursing out. at uh, it. I he's even mad, even as I'm it. describing it, even as I'm describing that to you, I can like my my spine is tightening and I like get chills down my back. Like I I he embodies that so perfectly, which is also why yeah. I assumed he was super sober because that's a it's a fucking that's what stuck out to me. Like I was yeah a couple of weeks sober when I watched it the first time in in the rehab center. And seeing him in 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 that period, like those first few weeks of my sobriety in the rehab center, I would have uh I, I would describe I, I journaled about this a lot. It was I it came over me like a wave. I would just have this thirst hit me like a wave and I could right. I could smell and taste vodka like it was this thing. Like and when I would get like tense or when like agitated or thinking about all the problems in my life that I had just generated and were crashing down on me. I would just get this like not tightening in my back and this wave of, of thirst and, and seeing Jeez. him do that 
in the film, like, oh, he feels that. He he knows that feeling. Like that's and then when he actually drinks it, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, he fucking knows. Like Right. So I could relate to that super hard. Like that was the big thing that that really stuck out to me. And well, and I mentioned this before, it was Sam Rockwell just because he just I didn't expect to see him in there. So that Right. Yeah. Always a surprise. But, um, yeah. But no, that's a powerful also, scene. That scene is really because yes. that is seen like yeah, and in yeah, fact, that's I, a really I had good scene. Just, I had just had it playing in the background right before you called, and I had the same sense of like, oh, Jesus, that just, it's painful in a way that I'm sure, like that, the way that uh, Quentin Tarantino just fucking makes love to the heroin needle when uh, <laughs> Richard, or when uh, 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 John Travolta's shooting up in Pulp Fiction, right? Like, there's that whole sequence. Even though I've never been a heroin person, and, and even at that point was, you know, when that movie came out, I still was like, Jesus, this is really, really romanticizing this whole behavior. Like, what, why are we making, glorifying this so much, right? And I can't, I can only imagine if you were a recovering heroin addict seeing that sequence, you would just go, your, your body would salivate in the way that like you, you can't describe because your body is just like, Oh, right. That's amazing. That's like the most right. significant feeling. And that's how I, that's my take. That was my, you know, the, the memory that stuck with me for 10 years after having seen that movie in rehab, uh, was, yeah, you know, I could see that hitting really hard. I mean, you two weeks yeah. in, that's, you're still dealing yeah. with a lot of, I'd imagine, pretty heavy, heavy at the moment. A lot of what yeah, you're going and, through. Yeah, and 10 years later, rewatching it, it, I still get the same, like, oh, Jesus Christ, that fucking, I can, yeah. I, it's it's a double-edged, like, that's terrifying and tantalizing, and Jesus Christ, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what that close, really. Because yeah. he, he literally opens the bottle, he's fighting himself really hard, but he literally opens the bottle, smells it. He gets some on his fingers. He like licks it off his fingers, and like you said, he's cursing yeah. it out the whole time. Like you motherfucker, you f- fuck you in the ass, talking to a yeah. whiskey bottle. But man, that's a powerful no, scene. And, that's, and then he, he eventually it's, wins it's, for a moment. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like the 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 idea of relapse right now for me, I, I it terrifies me. Right, like yeah. I, I don't know why yeah. I'm saying right now, other than I'm I'm not trying to speak like in general, like in specific. So seeing that portrayed on screen like that really it just hits me in a way that I I'm I can't even really articulate it but it's sure. powerful. And I think that depiction alone and let's just say the, like the last sequence where you know he gets kicked out of the bar for trying to shoot up heroin in at the table in the bar and then it fades out and it fades into early morning and there's another AA meeting happening. Or uh, presumably, they never say it's a. Uh, it's an early morning meeting, and they're asking, you know, who's is there anybody new to the program? And pans over, and it's Richard Lewis standing in the back of the room, and he looks like shit. He looks. Yes. That's part of why it's part of what makes me think that maybe this really was because that looks like Richard Lewis just said, "Fuck it, yeah, I'm just gonna fucking party all night, and then we'll film the sequence first thing in the morning." Because that doesn't look like makeup. That doesn't look like something you could just get done, especially on an independent yeah. small film. His so he eyes looks, are bloodshot. He looks. He looks. He looks, he looks pale. Haggard as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's all looks... and and he and and he goes. This was the other thing that stuck out to me back then, and I could you know I seeing it again, I've had this similar powerful sensation where he's like, "My name is Jim." 
I drank last night in 24 hours. I'll have 24 hours. And that's, yeah. the movie just ends on that. I, I When I watched this again the other night, I, I no exaggeration, I started crying right then because yeah. I don't, and I don't, I think that that's just because I can relate so intimately and personally with that whole arc of him falling apart like that on screen. Sure. I don't know that anybody who... I, I don't know that anyone else would actually have that reaction. I I I, I registered. I was I was in a sensitive mood the other night, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's it's tough though. I mean, you can he look you feel it like he he looks horrible. <laughs> he looks so bad. Yeah, and yeah. he stumbled and, into this meeting to get and, back on yeah, track. And, but man, you, exactly you know, that's Christ. it right there. What you just said that's where the the emotional wave hit me in rewatching was he's back, right? Like all of that shit that he basically used as an excuse. He used, he used his wife as an excuse to get sober. He used her death as an excuse to be, feel sorry for himself. And then he used the fact that he had never really understood what the fuck he was doing in either situation as an excuse to go out and just feel sorry for himself and get all hammered again. And now he's got to come and start over. And that's like where the movie ends is where he's going to start over. And and honestly, with a movie like this, with the, the, the depiction that they're trying to show, that's the perfect thing to show. That's the perfect way to right. end it. And, uh, yeah, you know, in terms of like the criteria that we use on this little podcast here of like, you know, does it, how well does this movie portray falling apart and the 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 lives of people who are drunk or, and in recovery i fucking spot on right like everything about this movie is accurate as fuck i mean almost to a fault like you said it's like yeah it's a little you know you know real life you said this the other time is like part of why real life isn't typically shown on screen is real life isn't that interesting so right yeah you know it's a lot of, a lot and of we long downtime and we and we last time we spent a long time talking about spalding gray as the voyeur in the meeting. So I think we should give another little nod to him in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one of, so we, we mentioned the other lady too. There's two characters that as not a person who's been to AA meetings, I thought these were really interesting. And I, and we kind of talked about, I was asking you last time, like how often does these, this happen? Because they were basically looky loo characters. So there's one woman who kind of goes in and it's clear she attends a lot of meetings and she even yeah. says, I don't really drink that much. It's not about drinking. She just likes listening to other people's stories and likes, yeah. and she doesn't not stop talking. So she also just likes to chat yeah. and have a captive audience. Yeah. And, and you so, can see the, you can see the people, they show people near her just kind of like clearly like rolling sighing. their eyes, not rolling their yeah, eyes. Waiting. They weren't that disrespectful, but they were definitely no, like but, sighing heavily uh, and like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. And she's a regular, she is, she is an accurate person. Like there are people like that who, for whatever reason, find their way in and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But then, no, I totally get it. For whatever. I mean, they might have an addiction. I wonder, you wonder, or if it's just really just yeah. they're desperate for attention or what, but, uh, you, but then you never know. Gr- yeah. Yeah. I, I could, but it's amazing to me too. Like how the group, even though they are like, all right, we know what this is. They still like, let her get her piece out for at least a period of time. Like I think I can't remember if he, the lead, the lead guy stops her or not, but, but they're at least willing to give her the benefit of the doubt or at least hear her for a minute. Just, you know, I would assume in case she does have an issue and this is her way of 
getting but it that's out, just but. it i mean that 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 is one of the fundamental principles is you know we we don't declare you an alcoholic only you can right. determine that for yourself and there's the right. double side of that is if someone says they're an alcoholic you kind of just got to go all right well, they say they're alcoholic so they have every right to be here and to talk so right we'll just yeah. listen to her ramble on about shopping <laughs> <laughs> no that's so fascinating um but the other but character then, that's kind of yeah. a, a question mark of why they're there, and he, well, this is literally his thing, is this this guy, he's portrayed by Spalding Gray, and his story is, is he he thought, he was looking for a choir practice to get involved with the choir. Um, right. And he thought this was the choir group, but like on break when he came down. He came down about midway through the meeting. And then as he yeah. sat down, he started, these people, everyone's telling the story, and, and then he's like being overwhelmed by these stories, and, and he just says, I, I you know, I had to speak up. I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I, uh, I mean, I drink, I go to the bar every night and uh, after the end of the day, I, you know, I just like to celebrate. I like to celebrate my day with like a beer. And then he describes the pouring of a beer and drinking of a beer and almost a religious experience, like the golden amber head of the beer. And I bring it quietly to my lips. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so it's like, the, but this ambiguity where you wonder, is he having a realization that he might be an alcoholic, but maybe a functional social al- drinker type of alcoholic or... Is he just overwhelmed by their stories or what it is? But he kind of mentions sure. that he wants to keep coming back if they allow him to to talk yeah. and experience. And and so that was really interesting, too. And it made me wonder, like, well, how often does that happen where someone not not <laughs> try to find a choir practice and show up and be like, oh, I guess. No, I'll I get it. But yeah, uh, no. but someone who like, no, but for whatever reason, comes to a meeting and then has to be through listening to other people's stories has some introspection well, that they. That is, it is an interesting way that they get him in the room like that, but I, because yeah. nobody in nobody inadvertently finds their way to AA. Right, 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 exactly. Like, so but I, I'm, I'm going to imagine say there's that like much. people on the fence about themselves that uh, uh, absolutely. show up. Absolutely, and 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 the <laughs> my short my short answer to anybody like that is well, let me just put it this way: normal people, people who are not alcoholics, don't wonder if they're alcoholics period right, so right, that's, right, that's always right. the the biggest warning sign but i and i think i i said this what we talked about before like i my take on spalling grace uh that character um is that he he at least by the way he talks about things and, and even portrays he doesn't strike me as an alcoholic he strikes me as someone sure. like you said he's like he's kind of gut checking and he's, you know, uh, processing aloud in the room and is like, well, you know, I do have a ritual around it and I do this daily and I, and I structure my day around doing this, um, which are all like, yeah, those are red flag behaviors. If you're structuring your day around getting alcohol and you're anticipating your alcohol and everything is built around, you know, those are, those are things that real alcoholics do for sure. Yeah. But I and my take on that character is that, well, one, he's supposed to be the verbalization of us as an audience watching these people talk. You know, it's kind of like putting us in the movie, and then this is the person having the thoughts that perhaps some of us in the audience are having, or you know, maybe that's too much thought into it. But that's the the way I look at it because he he is just supposed to be an external observer processing aloud his feelings about what's been going on in the movie so far. And part of that is to articulate what maybe people watching the movie are starting to think about themselves. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, these people maybe maybe what I do at home, maybe what I do on a daily basis is 
is a warning sign. Maybe maybe I'm worse right. than I think I am. Maybe maybe I'm in denial and I don't even realize I'm in denial, right? Like and I I am I guess I don't really have an opinion on how to interpret that other than um nothing about what he described and the way that he maintains his lifestyle and even with the ritualistic and and how like fondly he describes like you said like drinking the beer and how it rolls down his throat like liquid bread or something he's very he's he's he, he's you know he's very articulate yeah none of that to me it's, you know I, to me that's just like yeah okay so you enjoy your beers have fun right like yeah yeah that 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 to me doesn't sound like an alcoholic right like he you know, an alcoholic is like where jim winds up and he's you know like he gets down to that bar and it's a completely different owner. Nothing about the bar is the same. But his buddies that he used to drink with, they're all still sitting there, right? And they're like, oh, hey, we right. missed you. Where you been? He's been gone yeah. for two years. And they're just like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. Jim, that's a level died. of... <laughs> yeah, those guys, those guys aren't going to be like stumbling into choir practice and being like, oh, I really like your stories. You know, I also have a obsession with this drink and blah, blah, like... And it's not just an intellectual thing. It's like there's, I I feel like that's an intentional nod to the awareness that everyone who drinks isn't by default a a, a problem drinker, right? Well, and like, I think this like, is a big you know. question. I think even people today have, but I I, agree, I totally agree with you. It's like the audience's perspective, but also I think it's yeah. a not uh, non-alcoholic or non-addicts perspective because that's that's a question yes. that like one yes. of the things we've talked about in the representation of these movies is it's so hard to define the line like there yes. is people who overdo it at times but you would might not call them an alcoholic you might say all right man you need to check take it back a bit i mean not, it's not constant and then there's people well, who there's... like this guy says he drinks like he says i can't even imagine having one i definitely have two and then i have maybe a boiler maker which is a beer yeah. And then a, the one or two shots it. of whiskey. That's a lot to drink every night, but that's not. But anyway, yeah. So it's hard to find. So it's like he even is like trying to understand his own impetus of or need desire yeah. to enjoy a drink, but also feeling that. But it's never bled into like, well, maybe I'll start drinking at lunch because I like it so much, or maybe I will. Right. You know, my life is falling apart because of this. So it's yeah, it's really interesting because it's he's trying to find the line in his monologue of him, for himself no. and how he relates to these people because he does feel a relation to these people, yeah. but also he doesn't have the severity of experience that they have had, and so he's trying to rationalize that. It's really interesting. Yeah, and he is he is struggling with it. You can see him struggling as he's speaking, like trying to like he's like I said, he's processing aloud. Like he does a really good performance where he's like. As he's saying, he's you can tell he's thinking about what he's saying as he's saying it and realizing that it's revealing stuff that he hasn't necessarily thought about before. It, it's a really interesting performance and intentionally left ambiguous, right? Like he doesn't right. draw some conclusion at the end. He's like, well, I'm coming back now. I'm a drunk. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's going open, directly yeah. to what you just said. Like there, you can't define it. That's just it. Like you have to define it for yourself in that uh it's actually very smart. Like this, this movie is very smart. It, it really yeah. is. Like that is, is a really yeah. smart because, because he the next scene is he's going to like over to the snack table to kind of occupy himself, and then that same woman who kind of she kind of oversees the snack table and has heart to hearts with people at the snack table is like, hey, you know, you come back. You're you're welcome here anytime. And 
that again, it's it's showing the different flavors of what happens in those in that environment. I it's smart. It's really smart because it doesn't yeah. define it for us in any way. Like everybody's defining their own fucked upness and revealing it in their own way and and dealing with it in their own way. And uh, so yeah, again, back to the metrics. This movie is as spot on as I've seen ever <clears throat> with regards really to really but yeah check. really interesting though I would like so kind of going back to who we might recommend this to is honestly yeah. it's like if you are interested in the structure of AA or you've had experience this might be compelling it's not like a, a movie to be like rush out and see unless you're a huge Richard no, Lewis fan I, but it is yeah, really well done in the way Richard it ties and correlates to AA it is and I think I think ultimately I, I think I said this last time and, and I might I haven't changed this opinion. It's, it really, it's, its purpose is best served in a, um, in a, uh, a recovery aspect, like going into a hospital and inpatient treatment or even an outpatient treatment, like, uh, as an exercise of like, Hey, here's, here's this movie. And then if I was, if I was a counselor, let's say if I worked in one of those places, I would use this as an assignment and I'd have everybody watch it and then have everybody reflect on what they thought. And I'd, I'd basically repeat the conversation you and I are having right now with a room yeah. full of people and just try and get them to think about what they just saw. Maybe. I don't know. That's also a little bit uh, nosebleedy. So, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not just saying like that because that's where I saw it. Like I, I genuinely can't picture anyone else giving a fuck about this movie other than people who are in a rehab center needing to, you know... <clears throat> In a rehab center, you're basically trying to spend all your time thinking about your fucking drug of choice and, and rehab. So, right. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I don't know that I would. I wouldn't. I would only recommend it to, in that context, or if someone's like, "What is it like? You know, what is this like?" I, I I'm comfortable saying, "Hey, this movie really portrays it well." It's not. You you may not fall in love with the movie, but if you wonder, here it is. And I I wonder well, if, if that's, nothing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I wonder if that's ultimately just the the guy's goal in making the movie. Is like, I just want to make a representation out there that's as accurate as possible, so people know, you know, so you don't necessarily have to go in. And maybe he's trying to do what I'm trying to do with this podcast, where he's like trying to throw something out there to get in front of the eyeballs or or ear holes of people who need to, but aren't necessarily taking the time to go look at it. So yeah. You know, you kind of wonder if his uh, the playwright when he was doing the play if he had ri- written it at a time when he was freshly through it or struggling with I it bet as he well. Was. As like I uh, bet he was. I bet he was like a. I bet he was a couple of years sober. I bet he was yeah. like where Jim is at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, would be my guess. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of showing, uh, you know, I guess they kind of do show the re. Uh, recovery aspect they kind of show it in vignettes of how different people behave in recovery so that's very accurate too and then the actual I mean what are the three like the the downfall they definitely show the downfall in Jim and it's very realistic if not a little bit cartoonish when he's going and stealing the needle from the fucking passed out drug addict on the street. That's the only part where I'm like, come on, they couldn't come up with a better way for him to get a needle than that. Yeah, that's I was thinking up. that too. I was like, this oh is, god, this is that's 1994, the dude. There was AIDS all over the place. Oh, yeah. Nobody's gonna be god. grabbing a Hep-C? fucking needle from Jesus. some some random dude passed out. Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. yeah, I would give it. I would give it. You know, whatever, eight out of ten bottles up. Right. I mean, it's a very accurate <laughs> portrayal, but. Steven still, I, 
other than someone who's just wondering what the fuck AA is about, eh, who gives a shit? Maybe, maybe if you <laughs> if you're a real Faye Dunaway head, like I, I can't help but notice there was a shot where she's sharing, and you get a good good look at her legs, right? And and that that really stands out to me because I read the Bukowski book Hollywood Land. That was the book that he wrote in conjunction with the movie they made of his life, Barfly. And uh-huh. in there, he reveals how, or it's talked about, how Faye Dunaway wanted to do the movie, but she insisted that they have, and I guess this was part of her thing back in the 80s at least, always at least one scene had to show off her legs. And so <laughs> if you watch Barfly, if you watch Barfly, there's a couple of scenes, and it's very, they're very prominent. She has very nice legs. And it's funny because in that movie, she's just kind of a real gross drunk woman. But she has right. fantastic gams. And in this movie, too, she's sharing. And then for no good reason, the camera's far enough back and her legs are up and crossed. And you're like, oh, yeah, nice legs, Faye. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an odd shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if nothing else for us, at least, this movie serves as a... If like if we're comparing movies in this quality of movie, but also the the realisticness of how they portray right. yeah. this, this movie is our baseline <laughs> for reality. Uh, absolutely. You're right. So, no, and this is, this is the most realistic, but yeah. not necessarily the most interesting or compelling from a pure entertainment perspective, let's say. From right. a recovery perspective... Yeah, okay, I changed my answer. I would I would recommend it from a recovery perspective, from a sheer entertainment perspective, maybe not so much. So Sweet. I don't, I don't uh, know take with make of that what you will. But um, <laughs> I think that's a good summation though. I think that's a good word okay. where to leave this one, especially as we watch others. We we've got our baseline yeah. in, in many ways. We so, have, uh, yeah, we, we <laughs> cool. All right. I'm glad we re- we talked about it again. I feel like we. Yeah, me I, too. I, me I'm, too. It, that was a much better conversation. I, I felt like we just kind of. <laughs> I, I was I was very fatigued the other day. I don't know why I didn't just cancel. <laughs> no, that's so okay. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you were willing to do this again. So um, I'm following cool. your I, energy, I'll, man. So if you're tired, I'm just getting tired too. Even if I just had <laughs> okay. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, and that's what, good. I'm glad. Did, so so going forward, what, did, what do we got? Uh, what do we got next? Are we are we uh, I just declaring think we decided what we're doing we're, next? Or are we gonna? I well, I think we decided we're doing flight next, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Flight. So flight so will we'll, be a we'll big review jump flight. in movie Hollywood writing quality. <laughs> yes. So. It, yes, it will. And I've I've actually I've actually watched Flight twice already in my life since it's come out. So I I am excited to watch it again. I actually very much enjoy that movie. So sweet. I remember I haven't it's been a while, but I remember really liking it as well. So I am looking forward to cool. rewatching it and All right. Wallowing cool. well, in thank, Denzel Washington's thank, uh, yeah, <laughs> Denzel Denzel's stare. Denzel's the fucking man, dude. That's why I'm oh, excited. So That's the yeah. All right. All right, Kaz, thanks a bunch. All right, man. I'll see you for that one. Okay, bye.